0: Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America.
1: The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff and management.
2: Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard.
0: Hi, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, tell it like it is, no bullshit radio show. In the last couple of weeks, I've broadcast a show from beautiful Sydney Harbour in Australia and from the wonderful city of Hong Kong. This week, I'm back in my hometown of Los Angeles. I hope that everybody out there had a fantastic Thanksgiving, snapped up plenty of bargains on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. They were both records, as I understand, which is great for the economy. We received a lot of emails following last week's discussion on the uh, likelihood of a major recession next year. Views were pretty mixed. A lot of people for, a lot of people... Thought no, but I'm still a great believer that the only people who can turn this economy around are you, the entrepreneur. The government and the big cumbersome corporations can't do it. It's up to you. The sole purpose of this show is to help you to run a successful business. You know, we all can't be great at everything, so this show gives you tips to help you succeed. I want you to write to me, email me, tweet me, become my contact on LinkedIn, go to my website, bobpritchard.com, subscribe to my newsletter, tell me what you think, share your ideas, your criticisms, and your praise, and let me know what you'd like me to talk about. Today, we're going to discuss another one of the 15 keys that I've developed to guarantee business success. And they're all from my new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition. Now, people are conscious of quality products and they're conscious of value for money. Yet price plays only a minor role in purchase decisions. When a consumer buys a product, they're entitled to expect both an excellent product and great service. After all, that's what they're paying for. Today, out of every 10 sales, only two are the result of advertising. Eight are due to word of mouth. And you don't get word of mouth by satisfying customers. The only way to get great word of mouth and the increased loyalty and the higher profitability that comes with it is by knocking the customer's socks off. They've got to walk away from doing business with you going, wow that was great. Satisfying them will not get you anything except a one-off sale. Now there are two elements in really wowing a customer. One's providing awesome customer service and the other is adding value to every transaction. So how do you do this? Well, in most cases, your product or service does not give you a competitive edge because if your competition doesn't have an equivalent product, they probably soon will. The product has little influence on the final decision-making process. Now, there are four levels of customer value. One is the basic, which is just providing a good quality product or a service. The expected level of customer service, which is an explanation of the benefits and the features and good service. And customers have a desired level of service, which is advice on the care and maintenance of whatever it is that they've bought, um, getting additional opportunities, finding out the, all of the other things they can use the product for. And then there's the only level that counts, and that's the unexpected level. And this is going the extra mile. And only with this unexpected level of service can you differentiate from your competitors. So if you focus on your customer, they'll come back. If you focus on your product, they won't. It is that simple. When a customer receives excellent added value, they tell all their friends. But when they only got what get what they expect, they don't tell anybody. And with a bad experience, they tell absolutely everything. Everyone. For example, how often have you been to an ATM to get cash and it's always giving you what you want? You don't tell anybody, do you? But uh, if the ATM gobbles up your card just once, you bitch about it to everybody you know for weeks. Same with your product and your customers. Adding value differentiates your business and it's an important element. In differentiating yourself from your competitors' offers, you must sell the sizzle and not the steak. It's the sizzle that makes your company stand out. You know, the, the importance of added value is a major change from the past. I remember in the 70s, the big focus was on sales jam your foot in the door and sell them no matter what. Today, More and more customers want information. They want help. They want you to help them solve the problems that they're buying the product for. The public today also expects a business to be a good corporate citizen and add value to the community and their purchase. So the company that's both a good corporate citizen and adds value to the customer has a real winning formula. And you can add value to any business. You know, um, when I sit down with a client and talk about adding value to their customers, there's usually either dead silence or they say, oh, well, my, my business is different. I don't know how I can add value. You know, I've often begun with a room of 200 people and I say, let's add value. Who can think of a way to add value? And you get not one idea proposed. But once they put themselves in the customer's shoes and think like the customer The ideas usually come thick and fast. And adding value doesn't have to cost much money. There's an old expression that little things mean a lot. And the added value can be the difference between a sale and no sale. It doesn't cost a lot to provide a complimentary glass of wine with a meal or a motor mechanic delivering your car washed and vacuumed. It doesn't cost much, but it means a lot and you'll go back you can add value to a customer experience in many ways just by showing you really care about the customer is important you can add an additional product or service you can provide education or information you can work with the with the customer to, to customize their product they all work so let's just chat about those one at a time showing you really care about your customer my car dealer in L.A. is a fantastic example of how added value generates repeat business. I've just bought my fifth car from the same dealer. You know, and in Los Angeles, car showrooms are as commonplace as plastic surgeons. They're in every bloody corner. If there's a fire and a quake or any of the other disasters that regularly befall us in L.A., pause on the phone to see if I need any assistance. My son used to love the matchbox cars that always arrived on his birthday. Recently, it was teeming rain. There was torrential rains for days. And Paul arrived to double-check that my wiper blades were working. Now, it doesn't take him much time, but it makes a hell of an impression. And next time I want to buy a car, I always go back to Paul. And so have all my friends. Adding additional product works. We sold a lot of tickets to the Olympics. And with each ticket, we included a disposable camera as a surprise gift. After the games, we received literally hundreds of letters of thanks, not for the tickets because that's what people were expecting, but for the cameras and the memories that they got with the cameras that they wouldn't have got otherwise. Clients loved us. There's no way a competitor is going to get our business when the customer loves you. Another highly effective method of building a client for life, give them education and information combined rural traders had a very poor brand awareness in comparison with their competition. They overcame this by building tremendous relationships through a program where they assisted farmers at no cost on any and all aspects of working on the land. This added great value to the farmer. It developed brand equity and word of mouth that steadily and securely increased market share. Did it cost them? A little, but a hell of a lot cheaper than buying advertising. You can customize your product. And it, it, you know the, the focus on the customer is so important that it doesn't matter whether it's a $10 item or a $20,000 item. From noodle shops where you select whether you want Chinese or Thai, or Malaysian or Singaporean, and then you individualise the ingredients, that is customization. Or a Harley-Davidson, where you effectively build your own bike online and it gives the customer that much added value. Our local children's shoe store is a very small business with really tight margins. In fact, their shoes are considerably more expensive than the big discount chains. They just don't have the bargaining power. Now, when you go to the yellow Balloon, shoe store it's one big play area while Jan focuses on selling shoes David's got two roles he's a shoe salesman but he's also a clown and the kids love it when mum says it's time to get new shoes all the kids say let's go to yellow balloon we created a unique customer experience the shop's now crowded customers now you can provide exceptional service no matter how big or small you are it doesn't matter when Hyundai cut the prices on its cars by $1,000, DaiWoo could have copied them and done the same thing. Instead, they released an added value policy, which included, I think, free service for three years. They had free roadside service and free replacement car when models was being serviced. By reducing their price, Hyundai devalued their brand. By adding value, DaiWoo enhanced theirs. So whether it's simply a great smile and a warm greeting, a thank you, a birthday card, a small gift for a child, valuable information. Added value is a very powerful marketing tool. And the great thing about adding value is that it is extremely cost effective, really cheap. Let me tell you a great story about how powerful added value is and how you can save money on advertising. Theatre L.A. represented 108 live theatres throughout the L.A. region. And at one point, attendance at member theatres had slumped to 1.3 million people a year. To address the slump, they did what most people do. They cut prices, introduced two-for-one offers, and a number of other incentives. But all of these actions failed to stop declining ticket sales. Our first action was to increase prices back to normal levels price cutting simply reduces profitability and will ultimately send you out of business. Our solution to building attendance was to add value. We held 90-minute added value seminars in a big hall for all staff where we encouraged their ideas and empowered them to take the initiative. We created lots of magic moments and to the theatre lovers, they were a unique privilege. The added value encouraged people to come back. So from parking cars, free cocktails, meet the actors, birthday and anniversary cards, it was priority bookings, gift for the kids, discounts on merchandise for regulars. We added value at every turn. Regular patrons were made to feel very special for negligible cost. In just 18 months, attendance jumped from $1.3 to $2.8 million. So this $15 million increase in revenue was achieved without running one inch of advertising. And it was achieved at full ticket profits because we added value to the customer. Now added value takes many forms. Coca-Cola used added value to gain 100% distribution in retail stores in Mexico. Most retail stores in Mexico are mum and pop stores who can't afford health insurance. In an incentive program based on stock levels and sales, COPE provided the store owners with health insurance. The result, a huge surge in sales. Loyalty programs are also an excellent way to add value. For example, 70% of airline customers would stop using the airline if their loyalty programs were cut. So to make sure you have a great added value policy as part of your marketing armory, you must have a really good added value policy. Now, don't forget, let me know what you'd like me to discuss on the program. Or if you've got any questions from about added value, drop me an email. Go to bobprichard.com, tweet me, email me, contact me on LinkedIn, send me a bloody carrier pigeon. I don't care. Just get in touch with me, and let's get this country moving again. I'll be back in a couple of minutes with my first guest.
2: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here voice america business network do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible bob pritchard is recognized as the business leaders advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for fortune 500 companies and smes across the world Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization... Where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. G? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters with Dr. G airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to Bob at BobPritchard.com. That's Bob at BobPritchard.com. Now back to the show.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Straight talking, tell it like it is. No bullshit business advice. Today we're talking about the importance of added value, and I am really fortunate to have with me all the way from Ohio, Diane Helbig, the president of Seize This Day Coaching who is an expert in the subject of added value amongst a lot of other things. She's an author, a speaker and a business coach. Hi Diane, welcome to the show. Hi Bob, thanks so much for having me on. What does added value really mean to you?
1: Wow, you know, I think to me it means um, providing service above and beyond what your client thinks they're buying from
0: you. Why is, why is added value so important? I mean, why, why is it necessary to add value?
1: You know, um, especially, I think it's valuable all the time, but especially today when things are so highly competitive, you have to be able to differentiate yourself and your business and step beyond the noise and one of the ways that you do that is by providing added value to your clients so they really feel like if they were to leave you there's things that they wouldn't be getting things they don't really feel like they're paying for
0: Right, no I agree with that I think, it, I think it's critical too So if, you, if you've got a business how do you decide what added value they can provide to their customer because there's a lot of different types of added value isn't there?
1: Yeah, there really is, and, and I think there's a couple of aspects of that. I think one of the things is that it has to be something that um, it makes sense. And what I mean by that is it has to be something that's like that complements the product or service. So, for example, free shipping would be an added value because now there's something that you don't have to pay for. But if you were offering a service, that makes no sense. So, right. it should be something that is um, congruous to what it is that you're offering. And something that is uh, relatively easy for you to give. So it's not going to consume a whole lot of uh, time or effort on your part to be able to tack it on.
0: And because so few people do it, it doesn't have to be expensive, does it?
1: No, no, and no. And as a matter of fact, it shouldn't be. It really should be the kind of thing that... Is it really going to impact you that dramatically by offering
0: it? Yeah, it's, it, the um, free shipping thing is really interesting because I was reading some figures that said that um, people will buy something for thirty nine ninety five plus three free shipping um, in preference to something that's thirty four ninety five plus shipping. So that free wow. shipping really is a hook. It's a big hook. <laughs> I know, it's, it's weird, but it, it just happens to be true. Um, right. So if, you're, if you've got... Um, uh, where do you start looking at what, what you want to add? You know, I mean, how important is it to add a product as against perhaps adding um, information or a monthly newsletter or tips on how to do something? Which of those is the most valuable to, to a client?
1: Oh, that's so interesting. And, you know, I think it depends on the client base. I think you have to really understand your clients and what they need and what they seek. I mean, I love the idea of adding information, you know, valuable information like, you know, a member site where they sort of get like this exclusive membership where there's information that the general public isn't getting. It makes them feel like they're valued, you know, above and beyond just what you're doing for them uh, because you're... Really giving them things that matter to them. So for me, I say you always start with your clients. Who are they and what matters to them? Yep. Because that's how you're going to get the biggest bang from it.
0: What stops a client from just taking it for granted? How do you make sure that they realize that um, this is something over and, abo- uh, over and above what um, they perhaps expect?
1: Wow, that's a really good question. Um, I think One of the things that I think business owners don't do enough of is staying in communication with their clients. So they start making assumptions about their clients, and their clients start making assumptions about them. So I I think that the way that you make sure that they're not taking advantage of of you or you know the the extras that you're bringing to them is um, that you're in communication with them, and you're really clear that there's you know there's real clarity about what it is you bring to the table, what you're selling to them. As opposed to just everything that you're giving them because it can get really cloudy and then they, the client will think that all of it is what they're paying for when in reality it's not. You know, you really are giving them something extra. So I, I think it goes back to really making sure that you're really engaging in a
0: Relationship with your clients. I think you hit, the, hit the nail right on the head. I think n- nowhere near enough companies have an ongoing, continuous dialogue with their with their clients, and um, you miss so much information. And then when they make a change, if you are not right. in close contact, you don't realise it's going to happen, and you get caught flat footed. And uh,
1: it's so true.
0: You yes. can really lose. What percentage of businesses, um, Diane, do you think have an excellent added value policy? Oh,
1: so interesting question, and I'm going to key into the word excellent and say that I think it's tremendously low. Like, I would think it's like 12%. I think it's an extremely low number.
0: I'm sure you it's think it's. I'm, su- I'm surprised you think it's that high. I'm not sure that it's that <laughs> high.
1: But, <laughs> it, <laughs> it may not be.
0: 12 is still a lousy number, isn't it? <laughs> it is. When it could be it so is. much benefit to your company, 12%.
1: Exactly. Is. That's exactly right.
0: Right. Do you think, um, with small businesses in particular, do you think this is because small business owners are more entrepreneurial than they are marketing savvy?
1: Wow, that's that's interesting. I would almost think it's because they're more technicians than yeah. marketing savvy. I, I, so I think, you know, when I think about all the business owners I know, the entrepreneurial ones are the ones who seem to understand about giving, you know, who understand that when you give, you get. It's the ones who are real technicians. that that They're the ones who think that if they give, they're going to be taken advantage of.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Ninety-five percent of all small businesses fail within 10 years, and... uh, I always attribute that to the fact that just not enough people know the basic fundamentals of marketing because marketing is really pretty simple. Um, it doesn't have to be yeah. convoluted and complicated.
1: Right, I agree with you completely. And they don't—they for some reason they don't think they need to do it. It's, it's a really weird mindset, and it—it's uh, it, it, they're going to fail because of it. I mean, I, I agree completely. I think they don't know how to market. They don't know how to sell. Yeah. they just don't understand. That they should be doing those things and learning how to do them effectively.
0: And everything's so commoditized these days that unless you differentiate yourself very powerfully, you right. you won't succeed. Um, yeah, I find that many companies, you know, they think that they're giving their customers fantastic service, and yet when I yeah. actually go out and speak to their clients, the clients often think that the service is you know, just okay, or I've even had people who say, yeah, my customer service is fantastic, and when you go out and speak to, the, um, to their clients, their clients say, their service sucks, you know, <laughs> so how does this disconnect occur between um, what often a, 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 a company is giving their customers and what they mm-hmm. think and what the customers perceive to be really good value? Uh,
1: but I, you know, I think there's two things going on there. I think one is what we were talking about before where they're not really communicating with their customers, so yeah. they aren't really finding out. But the other part is it has to do with um, expectation. I, I think a lot of small business owners convince themselves that they're going above and beyond and they're really giving excellent customer service because they don't necessarily want to take the step back and look with, with a real critical eye at what it is they really deliver you know what do they really give um what how much of that is being paid for in other words how much of that does the client know they're getting or has an expectation to get and then how much of it is above that if any
0: yeah no i agree with you could it, how much of this is because perhaps the added value is not directly related to the business therefore while the um... Company thinks that it's giving added value. It's not of benefit to the client, and therefore they don't appreciate it.
1: Yeah, probably a great deal. I think that's a really good point. And and once again, that's a matter of a business owner deciding what they're going to give as added value without really engaging their clients and their prospects to find out what's of value to them. You know, it's so funny. Value is really. Um, subjective right it depends on what I think is valuable now you may offer me something that you think is going to be valuable because it doesn't cost you a lot and it's yeah. easy for you to give but if I don't see value in a, it, it it's you know dead Yeah, it, it has no impact
0: that's not going to do any benefit so right. what, what are the dangers to look out for are there any dangers in, in providing added value is there anything that can bite you in the butt
1: yeah <laughs> I think there's a couple of things I think one is but we've been talking about that if you're offering added value that really isn't a value to your client base, it's dangerous uh, because it really speaks to the idea that you're not connected with them and, you know, someone else is going to come along who is connected with them and they're going to leave. Yep. Um, and the other thing is you have to be careful about offering something that um, is costly to you if you're not really going to get the benefit from it. You know, it's all about ROI in, in that case and it could be sure. that it's an expensive Time, you know, sucker, or uh, just from an expense standpoint, it's something that you really can't sustain because once you start offering it, you have to keep offering it. If yeah. not, expand on it, right? So you have to do the math
2: ahead of time.
1: You got to really think about it before you launch.
0: What um, should you? We're, we're running out of time. We're running down to the, the end of our time. But um, should you? constantly change the added value that you that you give to reinforce the fact that it is added value?
1: I don't think so. Um, and maybe the word constant that, that I'm sitting on, but I, I I think the problem when you change things a lot is that then your clients can't land on who you are and what they think you're always seeking that magic bullet. Sure. And so I you know, I think you find something and you keep doing it and While you're in constant communication with your clients, if you discover something that you hadn't thought of before or you realize that that the value of whatever you're offering has has diminished, then you change. And it also gives you something to to reach out and talk to your clients about. So it can have a double value, you know, and and have a double benefit.
0: That's really important. Well Diane, thank you very much for speaking with me today. I really appreciate it. And if you'd like to talk to Diane about added value or any other aspect of your business, you can contact contact her at Diane at com, or go to her website at com. Thank you. Talk to you again soon.
1: Thank you, Elle.
2: America Business Network the bottom line in business do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible
1: No family can survive on two incomes anymore, let alone one. If you are supplementing your family's income working from home, then tune into The Cash Flow Show, Direct Sales Radio. Host Deb Bixler brings you sales tips, lead generation systems, and best business practices that guarantee direct sales success. Whether you're looking for a little extra cash or a career change, The Cash Flow Show, Direct Sales Radio will give you proven systems that will work in your home business. The Cash Flow Show, every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
2: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's Bob at BobPritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome
0: back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Normally at this time, I interview someone in the entertainment business about the business of show business. This week, I thought I'd do something a little bit different. As I say every week, the future of this country is not in the hands of the Fortune 500s. Most of them are giant, cumbersome, inefficient dinosaurs whose destiny is for future extinction. The future, in my view, is in the hands of the young, dynamic entrepreneur. And unfortunately, up to 40% of graduates can't get a job when they leave college. So I thought I'd get a college student's view of the world. On the line, I have my son. Hunter, who is in the School of Business at George Washington University in Washington, D.C. Hi, mate. Hi, Dan. I believe you've just been for four hours at the White House. How lucky can you get? What was the occasion?
3: I attended a seminar on entrepreneurship. It was hosted by the White House with the Obama administration in conjunction with MTV and the Young Entrepreneur Council.
2: The MTV,
0: that's interesting. That's that's pretty good targeting for him, isn't it? So it, yeah. was, it was about um, how to be an entrepreneur and how to go out there and um, shake up the world. Is that what it was about? Yeah.
3: The White House hosts monthly conferences um, for students and entrepreneurs around D.C. Um, and across the country to come and kind of learn and network with other entrepreneurs and other individuals that um, w- want to be the, the face of what like, the U.S. US economy is going
0: to be. I think that's great because um, I, I say every week that entrepreneurs are the key to, to, to changing this recession around, and I'm glad to see that the White House recognizes that. That's great. All right, let's get down to some questions about um, what do you think of the world. Um are you apprehensive about the ability of students to get a good job when you come out of college? I mean, it seems to, that irrespective of what qualification you might have, getting a job's tough.
3: No, I'm not too apprehensive, actually. Um, this conference on entrepreneurship was all about mentorship and connecting individuals and successful entrepreneurs with students and, and others that are um, trying to start their own um, ventures. Yeah, kind of. I have my own mentors um, in life, and you know they all recommend setting goals and having plans. So I have a one, two, and five-year plan that I adhere to and continually go back and revise. Um, I've been networking and developing opportunities each semester over the last few years in high school, and uh, with that, I've been able to be very fortunate enough to work. Um, extensively in Europe, in D.C., and in Los Angeles, and I've really built a resume for myself. And just like every other student um, in college, um, we are really trying to do as much as we can to, you know, get our name out there, um, which kind of eases the, the tensions in getting a job at the end of four years.
0: That's fantastic. I hope I hope your dad's one of your mentors. <laughs> um, the U.S. and most of the world is in recession right now. Um, what do you think's the secret to turning these economies around? I mean, they all seem to be in dire straits, living well beyond their means. What, what's the What's the key to turning this mess around? I believe the future of the U.S. Um, and the global economy is
3: really in new business. Um, I think the more appropriate name for the Small Business Administration is the New Business Administration. The world has changed so much um, over the last few years um, that small entrepreneurs are really going to be the face and the power behind revitalizing the economy and creating jobs um, within the United States um, and bringing opportunities to the United States. Um, it's really up to young entrepreneurs between the ages of 18 and 34 to kind of really take the leap and um, push this uh, push our economy out of the recession.
0: You know, one of the things that most people don't realise is that most businesses, most people are employed by small businesses. It's not these bloody big companies that are employing most of the people. It's, it's the smaller companies. Okay. We've been through this generation, my generation, of the rich getting richer to the stage now where 1% of the population's got more wealth than the other 99%, and that trend seems to be accelerating, and I guess the Occupy movement shows that you know people are getting pretty pissed off with that. So where do you think this is all going to end up?
3: Um, I think the future of the American economy and really where it's going to be restructured is in technology. Yeah, um, Large companies become more efficient with, through technology and margins tighten Productivity increases um, and the income of workers increases And I think this is really kind of the future that will bridge the gap between the rich and the poor
0: So what's your view of the Occupy movement? I must admit I'm, I'm not sure um, but I'm surprised how it's caught on all over the world And uh, so what do you think about them?
3: I don't really agree with the Occupy movement. Um, they don't really have any firm goals. I mean, when the leadership in um, New York and the Wall Street um, Occupy Wall Street came together, they came up with 150 different goals they had for the movement, and they really couldn't pinpoint one specific goal that they could focus on and kind of work towards, um, and work with the government and work with large corporations um, in fixing. Um, I really think they're wasting their time. Yeah. Um, the only real movement that I kind of agree with is the Occupy movements across um, in large universities. Um, federal and state governments need to allocate more money into education. Um, if they want the future of, if the government wants the future of the United States to prosper and continue um, to be number one, it really is going to come down to our education levels. And if the government doesn't address that. Um, I think we're going to continue to see large-scale protests from students, um, which I predict, you know, will get uh, worse and worse over the coming uh, months
0: and years. Yeah, it's interesting, because as you know, I I am a speaker and I travel around the world, and some years I go to 20-odd countries, and I see more and more everywhere I go, the emphasis that, that countries have on education, and uh, in China... Um, the you know to be a teacher you need a master's degree and you know it just seems to me that they're putting so much more emphasis on education than we are in America so um, I think you're right um, th- there appears to be more and more government regulation more and more secrecy in corporations and the media um, and yet with the internet and emails and social media, the world should be becoming much more open and much more transparent and much more honest. So do you think we're going to continue to get more bullshit fed at us or do you think we're going to get more open government and companies in the future?
3: I uh, I think we're going to get more transparency and more honesty. Um, new media, um, specifically social media, Twitter, um Facebook and other streams, um, communication streams, are really going to make the government have to deregulate and corporations will have to become less secret in the future in order to continue to receive approval from uh, the average voter and
0: consumer. Yeah, it's interesting because a bit later in the program, I talk about um, companies who have... have, um put false claims in their advertising and they're getting hammered and fined right left and center and mainly because um, new media allows their competition to question all their claims and it's the competition that's using new media to keep companies honest so perhaps um, the same thing will work with governments and um, and businesses although having a look at the White House at the moment and having a look at the Republican field, one wonders how (laughs) we're ever going to get anywhere. Anyway, um, most employees today, uh, we've all been employed over the years in a world of offices and cubicles and, you know, a very narrow, confined area where... Today's college students have grown up with a real virtual world. I mean, the games you play, all the avatars, and all the various elements of a virtual world. Um, Do you think that this virtual world technology is going to influence the corporate world at all? And if so, um, how's that going to happen? I mean, absolutely. The virtual
3: world really allows us to kind of predict and run scenarios that will help us prepare for what will happen in the real world. Um, In my education at George Washington University, we really um, run different scenarios and kind of look at different case studies and kind of try to analyze what what happens through globalization and when corporations are going to enter new markets such as China and India and what they really need to kind of plan ahead for before they enter these markets. Um, I think the virtual... Virtual technology is going to be a huge asset to business, especially as more companies um, kind of cope with the post push, pushes and pulls of globalization um, and the need to enter these um, new new emerging markets.
0: All right, with with the harsh realities of this recession really hitting home across the globe. Governments are talking more and more about being protectionist, about looking inwards, about closing borders, about trade barriers, except all this sort of stuff. Um, do you think you're going to enter a workplace that's got more and more barriers, or do you think it'll become more and more open?
3: Sure, um, in, the, in the short run, a short term, um, with recession affecting countries all across Europe and the states and. Uh, into um, different regions of the world, I think companies and governments really will take on more protective measures. Um, but that's just in the short run, um, short term. Um, as I kind of touched upon in the, my previous answer, um, globalization is is key to the future of, uh, of profits and corporations. And I think the world is really moving towards open and free markets um, in the long term. And I think we will continue to see that
0: um occur okay mate that's that's great and for you listeners um i think that uh hunter's answers defi- despite the fact that he's my son show that we can have a lot of confidence in the kids coming out of college and for all of you employers out there i want you to think about you know putting on that extra kid that comes out of college because the country needs it and you need it and they have a different way of looking at things and uh It's going to be great for the economy. Mate, I'll see you for Christmas, and I'm really looking forward to it. I just got notification today that uh, Gene Simmons from KISS and uh, from the reality show on on television will be joining me for an interview to talk about um, behind the scenes at KISS. And uh, I'm really proud of that interview, and it'll be on in a couple of weeks. So... We're going to a break now and then back to the Bob Pritchard No Bullshit Business Radio Program. Thank you.
2: The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard straight-talking, no-bullshit-tell-it-like-it-is radio show coming to you this week from my hometown of Los Angeles. Now, when I go up to George Washington University to visit Hunter, I'm really impressed with the dedication and the commitment and the intelligence of the kids up there. It leads me to believe that the future of America is in great hands with our kids in the future so um, I think that's important too many of us dismiss today's kids and I really think they're a great credit to us for the last few weeks I've spoken about some interesting and some pretty funny examples of marketing screw-ups and strap lines that can have embarrassing consequences when translated into another language this week I thought it would be interesting to look into false claims that have been made by companies uh when they're advertising and promoting their products. Now, in advertising, there's a big difference between pushing the truth, which marketers and advertisers do frequently, making totally false claims. You know, is a is the product really scientifically proven, nine times out of 10, they're not, and results really guaranteed, again, more often than not, they're not. For companies to cross that line, it can cost them millions Major brands have had to pay up face scrutiny, both from the competitors and the FDA. In this day of the internet and social media, the marketing and advertising environment is much more transparent and claims are exposed to immediate scrutiny, particularly from your competitors who can't wait to analyze your claims and to report you if they think you're exaggerating. So if you lie, or even if you just exaggerate, it is your own peril. So we found 14 major brands that have faced false advertising scandals. Some are still ongoing, and not all companies have had to pay up. But each has had to deal with a heap of negative publicity. So let's talk about a couple of these examples that have cost brands millions of dollars. Footwear News reports that the Federal Trade Commission and agencies in other countries are investigating claims that Sketches made about their shape up toning shoes. Even Sketches admits that it may be in trouble. Analysts agree that Sketches is probably screwed based on the twenty five million settlement that Reebok had to pay for a very similar claim. Sketches toning business was more than twice the size of Reebok in the two thousand and nine two thousand and ten time. So industry analysts predict that the company may have cough up as much as $75 million to consumers in refunds. Yikes, <laughs> 75 million, that knocks around your bottom line a little bit. Now sketches is gonna to try to defend its advertising claims, but it's not looking good. So it's really important to remember that it's not only the watchdogs that um, are scrutinising everything you say, but your competitors, they're the ones that are your biggest problem and they can't wait to attack you if you give them a chance. So I think this new age of interactive media is pushing companies to be more transparent and more honest in their dealings with the public. Honesty and transparency and being open to addressing your mistakes gets rewarded with customer loyalty. It's interesting that somebody has a problem and fixes it, to the customer's satisfaction, has a more loyal client, somebody who never makes a mistake. Um, Taco Bell is one near disaster that was saved by the company's willingness to be open and address the controversy. And they restored people's faith in this fast food giant. When consumers raised questions about what was actually seasoning, Taco Bell's so-called seasoned beef, the company didn't know how to respond. It was simply using oat filler, which meant the meat isn't seasoned beef at all, according to the USDA standards. The franchise had been tricking its customers into thinking its products were of a much higher grade than they actually were. So Taco Bell took the opportunity to poke fun at itself, hoping to mitigate the PR disaster. The company even took out a full-page ad in the newspaper thanking complainants for squid. Unusual? Novel? But so far, they've managed to keep their head above water. And the woman who started the whole hullabaloo ultimately dismissed her lawsuit. Now, last week I mentioned a new segment on the show. In this segment, I will feature one company that I think has a great idea and is looking for investment. In this economic market, it's getting more and more difficult to get funding, and I'm hoping that the Bob Pritchard Radio Show can help make a difference. So if you're an entrepreneur, have a great product, and are looking for an investor, drop me an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. I'll feature one special opportunity each week, and I will simply forward all inquiries direct to the company. Today's featured product is from Helen Haywood in London. Thanks for listening, Helen. And Helen writes everyone wants to safeguard security and privacy. A talking eye is seeking an investor to take their incredible world's first and only mobile telecom, doorbell, real-time voice-to-voice and visual communication to market. This system called My Butler provides you the protection and security issues today and has a global application. I've read Helen's business plan and this project, in my opinion, has great worldwide potential. So if you're interested in finding out more about this opportunity, email helenhaywood at talkingeye.net That's helenhaywood at talkingeye.net So if you have a few spare dollars and are looking for a good investment, drop Helen an email. Remember, early stage companies are the ones that return investors, big dividends, often many multiples. The companies listed on stock exchange must make you 5% a year. Then again, they may well go backwards. I've been inundated with emails after last week's show about the use of new media and analytics. New media is a topic at the moment. It's a big transition from traditional media and there are a lot of companies out there who just don't know how to use new media effectively. So I've only got time for one email today, and it's from Alan Johnson of Buffalo, New York. And Alan writes, thanks, Bob. I am like most of my business colleagues at the Chamber of Commerce. We don't understand how to use Facebook and Twitter for generational business. Last week's program was great and showed us what we can do, but not how to do it. Can you give us a simple example? Alan, Facebook has 800 million active users and businesses, particularly small ones, are increasingly using the service to connect their customers and potential customers. What's great is that Facebook allows companies to interact with customers, not just push sales promotions and special deals. I'll give you an example of how one small business is using Facebook, Sprinkles Cupcakes in Beverly Hills. Charles Nelson, the owner, has found great success in using Facebook and has had no problems in using it to build his business. Each day, Charles provides a secret word on the Sprinkles Cupcakes Facebook page and his customers go to Facebook to retrieve the word. If they mention the word at any of their stores, they get a free cupcake. This two-way interaction makes customers feel like they're more involved with the company, leading to increased market penetration and brand loyalty. Sprinkle says more than seventy thousand people have become fans on its Facebook page, and Facebook has more than one point four million business pages that can be customers. Alan, thanks for a great email. A copy of my new book is on its way well to your door in Buffalo. Don't forget, I want to hear from you, so visit my website at bobpritchard.com. Sign up for my newsletter. Email me, tweet me, become my friend on LinkedIn and tell me what it is that you want to talk about. That's it from me, Bob Pritchard. It's great to be back home in L.A. again. And I thank you for listening to my show. I hope you've enjoyed it. We'll be back at the same time next week. In the meanwhile, kick some butt and have some fun. See ya.
2: You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.